0: Sopwith ready, Chief. Great help that is. Well, they've done a wonderful job again.
1: It's
2: an exact replica of the World War I Sopwith Camel.
0: Don't give me a sales talk. They made three before and everyone dug the dirt. So they've done a good job this time. Yeah. Well, where do you suppose I get a man to fly that thing? I know. I've I've tried the agencies, Chief. No dice. You don't have to tell me. Only a nut would fly that plane.
3: Well, I thought, Chief, that
0: the show must go on, even
2: in motion pictures. So, well, I rang a firm in the West End who specialised in doing offbeat jobs. They've got a pilot. If you could go and see them. Mark, to get this movie
0: completed, I'd go and see the Queen herself. Where is this joint? 33
2: Half Moon Street. reluctant camel. I like to think of myself as a patron of the arts. I have a tremendous liking for theatre and music, and I'm at ease in the company of the artistic. But motion picture people are an exception. For some reason, they unnerve me, and where a temperamental opera star would leave me unmoved, a brash film magnet sets my nerves a jangle. When the bulbous personage of David Sandler thrust itself into my office, well, I had an immediate and. A forlorn wish that I hadn't been so hasty in my acceptance of the work telephonically.
0: This is a picture of a war. The war to end all wars. <laughs> That's
2: a laugh, isn't it? Well, I suppose it is, Mr. Sandler.
0: The Royal Flying Corps in World War I, full of high drama, but cleaner than trench mud and poison gas. The story of a man who won your highest award, the Victoria Cross. You uh, know the decorations,
2: sir? Well, I'm acquainted with it, yes.
0: Heroism is the meat in the picture pie these days, and this
2: movie's got it with a capital H. I understand you want the services of a pilot, Mr. Samner.
0: That's right. One that will sign a bloodshed. Uh, that I'm not acquainted with. An indemnity document against accident. I might as well tell you here and now that this scene I'm trying to complete has caused about as many casualties as Patchendale. The pilot has to fly a Sopwith Camel. That's a plane they used in the First World War. Good heavens. I didn't
2: think there was such a thing outside the War
0: Museum. You'd be thinking right if you thought that. I've had these planes specially made. With the exception of the engine, which is better than the original, they've been exact replicas of the old crazy machines flown by the Royal Flying Corps. Did you say they'd been? I'm on the fourth machine now. And the others? Crashed. And don't ask me why. The last one even had a regular airworthy ticket. The controls are martin. It's only the outside that's ancient design. The fuselage, you know. And what would my man be asked to do? To fly. Is that all? That's enough. The accident rate with these crates makes them the most expensive coffins ever manufactured. Well,
2: I'll put it to Cannon and see what he says. Cannon? He's one of my operators. He has an A license and will probably jump at the opportunity to work on a flick. A flick? Oh, yeah, a movie. Well, the Fields at Potter's
0: Bar, you know what that is, right on the Green Line bus route. Yes, I know it well. I made a mock-up there of Flanders. Can't tell the difference from the real thing. Had the artillery blast off 5,000 shells into a field. Great for realism. And rather expensive, I imagine. No expenses, no object, Provided I get the rushes over the States in three weeks. If I don't make the deadline, we'll be beaten to the punch by Marley Brothers Incorporated, and yours truly will be for the high jump.
2: A competitive company.
0: You said it, Mr. Mason. Competitive with a capital K. Okay, I'll see your pilot at Potter's Bar at 6.30 a.m. And don't forget to tell him about the blood shit. No sign, no fly, no pay, okay? Okay, I, I mean, of course, understood. 500 bucks a day. And if the last three pilots are anything to go by, he'll earn every time.
2: Cannon was delighted with the prospect of flying this strange aircraft, but resolved to have a good look at it before taking off in the morning. He tried to telephone David Sander, but the movie Mogul was not available. This caused certain complications. When Cannon drove up to the field at Potter's Bar...
3: Hey, uh,
1: you! Where do you
3: think you were going?
1: Out of the field. Oh, well, that's what you think, mate. This is private property. No one's allowed near the airy plane.
3: I'm the new pilot. I, uh, I came to have a look at the machine.
1: Oh, in the pitch dark.
3: Well, I expect there's a light in the cockpit. Yeah.
1: Have you got any identification?
3: Mm, such as? A company ticket? Well, no, I haven't. I, uh, I tried to ring Mr. Sandler, but he, uh, he wasn't available. Oh, well, then you've had it, mate. Three of them planes are gone up in smoke already. My
1: orders are nobody goes near the thing until the film unit gets here tomorrow.
3: Yeah, well, maybe it's just as well. They're well, having a guard, I mean. Uh, tell me, did uh, did you see the other planes crash? Oh, not me, mate. I works all night, so I sleeps in the day. But my
1: kid, Harry, he saw them all three. Just went into the ground, he says. Flying along right there's rain one minute, and the next thing, wham, straight into the deck. The daft, I calls it. All that dough just for the sake of a film. Yeah, but then that's the Yanks all over, isn't it? Don't know what to do with their boodle.
3: Is that a fact?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, you're a Yank, aren't you?
3: I am, but uh, there's a big difference. I know just what to do with my boodle. And uh, if I don't get to look at the plane before I take off in the morning, I'm, uh, I'm thinking I might spend it on a life insurance policy. Alan
2: <coughs> drove off, leaving the ancient night watchman, scratching his head in bewilderment. Taking the side road, he half-circled the field, and in the quiet of a clump of trees... "'switched off his car lights and made stealthily for the barbed wire fence. "'The Thopwit Camel was standing in the middle of the field "'on a hastily prepared runway. "'The surrounding pasture was torn to shreds with shellfire, "'every inch pitted with gaping holes. "'It was a startling and blood-chilling sight, "'even though he knew it was only make-believe. "'The craters afforded him ample cover "'as he crossed quickly towards the plain, "'standing ghost-like under the light of the stars. "'And then Cannon saw something that stopped him short in his tracks.'
3: Hey, what's that, a ghost? Come on, Ken, what's got into you? That's a dame. A real live dame. What's she doing here? Uh Uh-oh, she's coming this way. Well, baby, you're in for one big shock. Hi. (gasps) You uh, interested in aviation, man? Who, Who are you? Cannon's the name, chief test pilot for the Sopwith Camel. Oh. Now, uh, I heard tell that nobody was allowed on the field. Doesn't that include you?
4: Well, I hardly think so. I'm Valerie Thompson.
3: Is uh, is that supposed to mean something?
4: I'm the love interest in the picture.
3: Oh, you mean you're uh, you're Valerie Thompson, the movie star?
4: That's right, and now we've met, I'll bid you good night. No,
3: no, not so fast. Uh, You still haven't told me what you were doing over there by that plane.
4: And by the same token, you haven't explained what you're doing, creeping around the set in the middle of the night. Set? That's what it's called. This field is the setting for the final scene in the picture.
3: Oh, I get it, yeah. Uh, Tomorrow at 6 a.m. I have to fly that old crate off the ground and into the air, but I intend having a look at it first.
4: But you'll be given ample opportunity to look it over in the morning. Could be.
3: Only, uh, I'd like a private look-see. Well, now you know what I'm doing in Flanders Field, and maybe you'd answer my question.
4: I. I was a little worried about my movements tomorrow. I do a big scene near the Sopwith and wanted to have a private look at the terrain. So you see, we're both here for the same purpose.
3: You, uh, rehearse in the pitch dark?
4: Inspecting a plane in the pitch dark? <laughs>
3: Okay, Miss Thompson, I guess that evens out. You don't get to rehearse, and uh, I don't get to look at that cockpit. Well, what say we uh, celebrate nothing with a drink in the local?
4: I'm not in the habit of drinking with strangers, Mr. Cannon.
3: Oh, that's a very praiseworthy tray, but uh, then we're not strangers, are we, Miss Thompson? I mean, uh, we have a a common purpose, don't we?
4: Are you holding a pistol to my head, Mr. Cannon?
3: No, 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 but the, uh, the cannon's mouth is dry.
4: All right. I'll have a drink with you. The locals probably won't mind the state we're in. I don't get it. Gray mud, Mr. Cannon. Look at your shoes. And mine. The shell fire has churned the field into gray mud. We're covered in it.
3: Oh, well, uh, Well, what? if anybody asks, uh, we'll say we're a couple of turnip pickers on a spring.
4: <laughs> I'm glad there's a sense of humor underneath that suspicious mind.
3: Suspicious? What?
4: You think I was doing something to that aeroplane?
3: Now, why would you do that? I mean, it's, uh, it's in your interest for the movie to go ahead as planned, though. Or do I read it wrong?
4: You read it right, Mr. Cannon. So let's have that drink and forget all about meeting each other tonight. Yes?
3: I don't see why.
4: You know as well as I do that we're not allowed in this field. Now, be a good boy and be a fellow conspirator. After all, it's in your interest for the movie to go ahead as planned? Or do I read it wrong?
3: Hey, uh, you're quite a gal, Miss Thompson, but uh, I've got a feeling that I'll be sorry when this movie does end. Well, here's mud in your eye.
4: And mud in your boots. Cheers. (laughs) Uh,
3: Cheers.
4: Keep your feet under the table, Mr. Cannon. Mm
3: Mm-mm. China pickers are never embarrassed by their own feet.
4: The stagehands on the lot live in caravans on the other side of the field. They use the pub in the evening. In fact, three-quarters of the clientele here tonight are stage hands. So what? So they know about the field at Potter's Bar being blown up by the artillery. They know about the grey mud. If they see your feet...
3: They'll know I've been walking in the field where I'm not supposed to be. Mm. Okay, I get the message. And My feet are hidden beneath this ancient table. Now, tell me about yourself.
4: Good heavens! The life history of an actress... Mr. Cannon, you're much too young.
3: <laughs> okay, then uh, tell me what you're doing moseying around that kind.
4: I thought we had a gentleman's agreement.
3: Oh, now, how could we? You're no gentleman.
4: Very smart. But I told you what I was doing there. And you can believe it or not, as you wish.
3: Well, I'd, uh, I'd never force a lady. Good,
4: then that's settled. You may order me another drink.
3: But I don't fall for that rehearsal, jazz.
4: <laughs>
3: and what's with you?
4: It's Sandler. He's just come in.
3: You mean that, uh, that man Martin at the bar? Yes.
4: I haven't you met before?
3: No. My, my chief book, the job. Say, he looks like a tough cookie. He
4: is. He's an American, too, so you should get along with him. I just hope he doesn't see me, that's all. Do you mind if I move around to your side? If I sit with my back to the bar, he won't notice me. Sure.
3: Come on, help yourself. But uh, why the worry?
4: I, I just don't want him to see me here, that's all.
3: That's no answer.
4: Oh, you are persistent, aren't you? The fact is, I'm supposed to be in town. He he rang me earlier and asked me to go to dinner with him. I I made the excuse of a headache. He'll be justifiably angry if he sees me here with you, swilling cider. He's
3: got no comeback. I rang him in town at his suite. His secretary said he was working on the film script and wouldn't be free till after midnight. So you both got funny
4: excuses. Never mind. I'd rather he didn't know I was here.
3: Now, what do you suppose brought the great David Sandler out here at this time?
4: I know. Perhaps he wanted to speak with the stagehands.
3: No, i got a feeling Mr. Sander doesn't waste his time in idle chatter with the minions under his whip. In fact, the, uh, the way he's looking into his glass of scotch, I'm sure of it. Say, what happens to him if the, uh, if the picture isn't finished on schedule? Nothing. Nothing?
4: He'll probably lose his bonus. It won't be his fault if the film's not finished in time. Maybe. There's no maybe about it.
3: That's what you say. But I've got other ideas. Such as? Such as how come he has his shoes covered in grey mud? Now, what do you think the film director was doing around that sup with Cameron in the middle of the night? To say that Cannon was disturbed
2: by the appearance of David Sandler would be putting it mildly, but he comforted himself in the thought that the morning would give him ample opportunity to inspect the strange aircraft. And there was no reason why he should attempt to take off until he'd thoroughly examined and tested the plane. He left Valerie Thompson by her car and drove himself back to London. Nothing disturbs Cannon for very long, and he was soon in a dreamless sleep, had readied him for the morning chore at 6 a.m. sharp he was on the field and this time with a specially made sock with camel a mechanic was his only companion
1: a ah, bit of a breeze this morning sir
3: well, just as well this old so crate will lift better in a breeze now you know why they call an aircraft a kite <laughs>
1: The first time you've flown on, sir. Uh, do I uh, look like a
3: First World War veteran?
1: <laughs> it's only the fuselage. It's old-fashioned, sir. The engines are new, latent. She has gypsy controls. She's got five times the power the original model had.
3: Okay, then let's have a look in the cockpit. You. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be cold up there in an open cockpit. Okay, friend. I will take a deco at the controls. Huh? Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's comfortable. You climb in the back.
1: All right, sir. Uh, you see, they're uh, gypsy controls, mesh joystick and twin pedals.
3: Uh, the easiest wink. Uh, how come the others came to a sticky end?
1: That's something I'd like to know, sir. I was in charge of all three aircraft. I know they're airworthy. The only theory I can offer is that the motor's too strong for the fuselage, but, uh, well, it's easy to counteract that if you fly slowly.
3: Did the others fly slowly?
1: Well, they seem to. All three went in in a dive j- just above the trees at the north end of the field.
3: Hmm. Well, the controls seem to be okay. Hey, what's this over the stick?
1: Oh, I can't see from here, sir.
3: Well, come and take a look. Huh? It's a horseshoe.
1: Uh, uh, so it is. Tied under the stick with yarn. Huh? Oh, I suppose it's been put there for good luck, sir. By whom? Oh, I don't
3: know. I wonder.
1: What's that, sir?
3: I just had an idea who might have put that horseshoe in the plane for good luck. Well, let's give her a run. Uh, Do I need a prop spin?
1: Uh, Not with this up. It says starter button on the right. Got it. Here goes.
0: Like a bird. Okay, out you get. I'm going to taxi around the field, then do a couple of takeoffs and landings.
3: I'll stay in the back seat, sir. Not in your life. Out you get. Oh, but I'd, I'd like to try with you, sir. Look, three of these babies have gone in already. I don't want you on my conscience
1: if this is the fourth. Well, I'll take that chance, sir. It's a mechanic's privilege. Okay, but keep your head down.
0: Control's okay. Shall I take her up? Roger. Okay, I'll turn her into the wind.
3: She'll lift steeply, so keep your hat on. Okay, so far, Angel's won. Now, I'll see if she'll double. Double.
1: The stick I I can't get it back, it's stuck. Uh, let me climb over and pull with you. Uh,
3: uh,
1: uh. Hey, Mr. Cannon. What? It's the horseshoe, the horseshoe. Oh, I got it.
0: Oh, just made it. That was close. Yeah, too close for comfort. I'm taking her in.
3: Lucky horseshoe. Somebody's got a great sense of humor. How did it slide down there? The yarn. There's acid on it, you huh? see? The oh. yarn's burned through. When the plane started to vibrate, the yarn snapped and the shoe slipped down to the bottom of the stick and jammed it against the floor when I tried to pull it back.
1: Well, do you think that's what happened to the others?
3: Could be. You say you've no idea who put this shoe in the cart.
1: Oh, no, sir. Are you sure it's acid?
3: Well, take a look for yourself. Oh. It didn't come there by accident. This is a modern engine, and no battery acid could escape. Oh, I
1: hope you're wrong, sir. Yeah? Yes, if you're not, it means that someone deliberately tried to sabotage the plane.
3: And that means the other three were murdered. That's quite a thought, isn't it? Hi there! That's the boss, Sandler. We'll let him come, but don't say anything about the horseshoe, Alice. Oh, Roger. Hi
0: there, I watched in the camera shed. She seems to handle well. I'm David Sandler.
3: Hi, Cannon, Assignments Unlimited.
0: You seem to be able to handle all right. You American?
3: Yep. Oh, by the way, thanks for the, uh, for the lucky horseshoe. That was a nice gesture. A horseshoe? Yeah, there was a lucky horseshoe taped to the stick with yarn.
0: That's so. Well, I didn't put it there. I say, you want some coffee? Your whole cast is in the canteen. They'd like to meet you.
3: Oh, thanks. I say there's one member of your cast I'd like very much to meet. Uh, who's that? Valerie Thompson, your leading lady.
0: My leading lady? Is that some sort of joke, Buster?
3: It wasn't meant to be. Uh, I understood she had the major female role in the movie.
0: Mr. Cannon, I'm trying to beat a deadline. The reason is a rival film company is making a similar movie. They'd do anything to beat us to it. And you know who the leading lady is on that rival movie?
3: Are you kidding?
0: I am not. Our rival is Valerie Thompson. The plot
2: thickened. It certainly clouded Cannon's brain. Surely an established actress of the caliber of Valerie Thompson wouldn't murder three men in cold blood just to beat a deadline. Artists are more concerned with their individual performances and the, well, the purely business side of the show game. But she was on the field the night before. Then so was David Sandler. Would he sabotage his own picture? Oh, I didn't make sense. But Cannon resolved to see Valerie Thompson again that night. He telephoned and arranged a meeting. She was reluctant at first, but, sensing the urgency in his voice, she agreed to meet him in Shepherd's Hotel in Shepherd's Market.
4: History repeats itself, Mr. Cannon.
3: Yeah. Nearly repeated itself this morning with disastrous consequences for me.
4: Really? Cheers.
3: Mud in your eye.
4: Mind telling me what happened?
3: That's the object of the exercise, Miss Thompson. I took the Sopwith off from Potter's Bar Field this morning with a mechanic aboard.
4: A mechanic?
3: Anything wrong with that?
4: No, but the last three planes crashed. This might have been the fourth.
3: It very nearly was. Oh? Some well-meaning person had attached a lucky horseshoe to the joystick. It slipped down along the stick as I dived and jammed against the floor. If I hadn't had that mechanic with me, I'd be part of the permanent Potter's Bar ceiling now. He spotted it.
4: Who put the horseshoe there?
3: Now, that's what I'd like to know, Miss Thompson. You see, the yarn holding it had been treated with acid.
4: Sure. And you think I put it there? Did you? You've found out by now that I'm in the opposition picture. I lied to you. I was in the Potter's Bar field last night and it would be in my interest to delay Sandler's picture by every possible means.
3: Including mass murder? What do you think? I'm asking the questions.
4: You're a very determined man, Mr. Cannon. I didn't put the horseshoe in the plane. I didn't put anything in any plane. I was in the field last night for the same purpose as you, to try and find out what caused the accidents. Mm Mm-hmm. And if I don't believe you? You can go and join the title on my film screen. What's that? Hell's Angel. (laughs)
0: I never thought to see you on his said Valerie.
4: I know you didn't, David. And when you've heard what I have to say, you'll wish I'd never come. On the other hand, you may be grateful for a friendly warning. Warning or a threat. Whichever way you like it. It was a clever idea, putting a lucky horseshoe on the joystick of the plane. What are you talking about? You didn't mention it was to be a symbol of bad luck. But Cannon found it. And removed it.
0: I haven't the faintest idea what you're talking about. But
4: you forgot that flyers wear gloves. Gloves? Didn't you know? If you pick up something when wearing gloves, you don't disturb the fingerprints on that object. A horseshoe is clean and shiny when it's new. The one on the plane was made of silver. Even better.
0: Where's the horseshoe now?
4: With the police. They'll be here any minute to take a sample of your fingerprints, David.
0: Why are you telling me this?
4: Because you were once my husband, perhaps. I'll leave. There's no way. The roads will be watched.
0: I still one trick up my sleeve, Miss Smarty. I can fly a plane.
4: What plane? This
0: one, the Sopwith. It's good enough to get me to the coast. Be seeing you, Valerie. Make my apologies for the fingerprints. Hey, Miss
3: Thompson, who's on that plane?
4: David Sandler, Mr. Cannon. I told him a lie, too. A whole pack of lies. And he fell for it. History repeated itself again, Mister Ken. I wonder who put the lucky horseshoe on the joystick this time.
2: Yes, it was David Sandler who sabotaged the planes on his own production. His bonus for finishing on time would have been a few thousand dollars. But as major shareholder in the opposition company, he would have made millions if they beat him to it. Nobody knew of Sanders' interest in the other company, except his ex-wife, Valerie. Hence the reason she guessed the culprit of the Sopwith Camel Crushes. I hadn't seen Cannon for a few days. He offered to teach Valerie Thompson to fly, and she didn't seem the least reluctant.